Hi there, welcome along. This is two Parkies in a pod. If you've got Parkinson's or know someone with Parkinson's or just want to find out a bit more about it, this is the place to be. I'm Dave Clark. I was diagnosed a long time ago now, back in 2011. And I'm Kuhan. I was diagnosed in 2013. And this is the first podcast in a beginner's guide. If you're newly diagnosed, you're probably feeling a bit lost. Yeah, it's, it's a weird feeling, isn't it, when you get diagnosed? You don't, you don't quite know what's going on. Do you remember when you first I, I I do. I mean, even though it was so so long ago, I can remember everything so distinctly. Um, such a range and roller coaster of emotions. Uh, one of those moments in life you, you never forget. Um, and it, certainly my life changed from that, from that day onwards. It didn't just change for the worse, though, did it? Some things actually get better when you've got Parkinson's. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a cliche to say, but it's one of those things that happens in life and it gives you a new perspective. People say the condition takes, but it gives as well in certain ways. And I think for me, that, that new perspective and um, the new way of seeing things and appreciating life and time. And I don't think I'd, I'd, I would have had that realisation if I hadn't had the diagnosis. Yeah, I've done a lot of travelling since I was diagnosed because I think, you know, my travelling days might be limited. I was lucky to have the finances I could do it, which not everyone has, but I, I travel, I've travelled to see Bruce Springsteen a lot, which is got rid I've seen him 18 times now, a bit of an obsession. But um, I've travelled to Perth, Australia and Cape Town, went to see him in New York as well. I don't think I'd have done that if I got Parkinson's. Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of view it almost like a bit of a countdown and they try to go through their, their bucket list. Um, and yeah, I think I was like that as well, but at the same time, I was kind of, my bucket list had people on it rather than yeah. places, you know, uh, people or things or feelings that I wanted to, 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 to feel and enjoy and appreciate life, you know. And some of that involved travelling, although I'd probably do less travelling now than I did before the diagnosis. Mm. Um, but, you know, other things in life, like things, things like work and personal relationships, all, all of that changed. And that was, uh, sounds strange, but sort of thanks to Parkinson's in, in that way. You know, my life has got a lot better. I remember, um, I remember when I was first diagnosed, I started Googling daft things, like bungalows and, and grab rails and all that sort of stuff. I'm 11 years in, I still don't need those, um, which which is probably quite... You know. uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's a natural thing to do, isn't it, when you're first diagnosed or when you're in that pre-diagnosed phase, I call it, when you've kind of got an inkling that you might have the condition. Maybe your GP's referred you to a neurologist or something like that, and but you haven't got the final diagnosis. And that can be quite a long period. And in that period, you, you, you're not, you don't have any access to any support services. You know, you don't have a neurologist or a nurse at that point, or you probably don't know any other, anybody else with the condition in modern age is to turn to Google. and Dr. Uh, Google, yeah. Dr. Google. Uh, but invariably sort of throws up all the sort of the worst of the condition. And um, I, I don't know about you, Dave, but when I was diagnosed, you know, this is all pre-social media, what it was showing me was a version of Parkinson's that was, you know, the traditional version of the an old man sort of hunched over and, you know, life was pretty grim. And uh, well, That's it, you get that picture, don't you? There's, there's a, a yeah. sort of pa- pa- pencil picture of, of a guy bent over dubbed with a walking stick. You, you get uh, it literally and also metaphorically in terms of the, the sort of all the narrative around Parkinson's. Uh, I mean, things have changed a little bit now. There's, there's more information out there, but... Um, it still it, it ten, tends to give you the worst of the worst, um, and you know, in, in the absence of anything else, I, I can understand why people go there. But uh, I, you know, perhaps it's better to hear it from the horse's mouth, and you know, some experience from people like you and I. You don't know what it's like to have Parkinson's unless you've got Parkinson's. You know, it's all right being a, a specialist and spent years at university, but unless you've actually got it, you don't know what it feels like. 
Yeah, I, I, mean, I always say empathy trumps sympathy in that way. So that's why it's comforting to hear from other people with Parkinson's because, you know, they just get it. And there are so many little things that nobody really tells you about from the outset that you kind of discover on the way. But the other thing I'd, I'd say, um, probably as a disclaimer, is that everybody's version of Parkinson's is, is their own. Yeah. And what applies to me doesn't necessarily apply to you, Dave. And yeah. uh, what, what we what we recount as our experience doesn't necessarily apply to others. In fact, invariably... The thing I'm struck by when, when I meet other people with Parkinson's is actually how different we are. Mm. And there's certain commonalities, d- d- don't get me wrong. Uh, but, you know, whether it's how quickly the disease progresses, what symptoms that we have or how well we respond to, to, to medication and treatments, it just, it varies so much. I mean, you, you and I have sort of diagnosed about a sort of similar period of time, yeah. but and we're fairly similar in sort of our, our progression. But even then there's slight differences you know, when I meet other people, I, the differences for me are even, even starker. Um, so yeah, that's a, it, it's a, it's a disclaimer, but it's also it's also true. Uh, when you read the information, they, they seem to give you sort of five or seven good years, don't they? It's it's quite weird because because that's not the case. It's not like that for everybody. You know, five five years, you, you might have five years of walking and talking, and you, you might lose your voice after that. But I've had eleven years, and I'm still going strong. So. That was one of the first things I read, you know, and, and that normally relates to your honeymoon period as to how effective medications are in the first few years and then how things start to change um, after that. For me, it wasn't five years. It was more like, well, eight, nine years before things started really progressing. Um, and that's, for others, I've seen it's, you know, just one or two years. The other thing about five years, that while you mentioned five years, this, this uh, running joke in Parkinson's about a cure... And when you're when you're initially diagnosed, and when you talk to a neurologist, they're always sort of excited about a cure being around the corner, yeah. just just a few years away, just a few years away. I remember I remember hearing that when I got diagnosed, and subsequently on visits to neurologists. I don't know about you, Dave, but it's been the best part of a decade for me. And uh, how many more years is it going to be? Exactly, Michael J. Fox keeps saying we'll keep going till we find a cure. They've raised a billion dollars and still haven't found a cure. Yeah. That's you know, the cure might not come along in our lifetimes. You've got to, you've got to realise that. But you can live a very good life with Parkinson's. Exactly. I, I mean, I think there is a danger that you can, when you hear these these time frames, that you kind of put your life on hold to a certain degree until that cure comes or you're, you're waiting for your, the next stage to kick in. Uh, there's no need to put your life on hold, you know. Um, I mean, I've had a fairly good nine years uh, since my diagnosis. Much, much better than I would have expected um, and I, I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen in the future. It's not something I can control, but uh, I can control what happens today. And again, that's something that the condition teaches you to to enjoy today for what it is. I think living in the moment is quite a big thing, isn't it? Just just living for today, but you know, mindful of tomorrow as well. You've got to have something in the diary that excites you all the time, whether it be meeting friends or. Just we play tennis quite regularly. Now that's something that excites me every week. You know, go go and hack a ball around, miss the ball a lot, and <laughs> trip over a lot. But we, it, we play tennis, which is it, good. It is, and I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to exercise at, at some point in this conversation. But yeah, having something to look forward to, having something in the diary, having something to w- work towards, either by way of work, work because I know a lot of people give up work with this condition. But in a lot of cases, you don't have to. And if you can't work, at least have something to stimulate the mind. Uh, as, as well as the body, uh, I think that's really important because it's it's very easy to become stale with this condition and become quite insular and quite sort of sedentary and sort of not go out, not engage with people and so on. That's that's actually the worst thing for the condition. What 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 the condition needs is sort of activity, uh, activity of the mind and the, and the body. I think 
Getting, getting isolated is a big thing, actually. You've got to, if your mates don't ring you, you've got to ring them and organise to see them because sometimes people are a bit embarrassed to, to see you and, and, and a bit worried about how you're going to be and stuff. We want to, we want to socialise still. So if, if you know somebody with Parkinson's, give them a ring, say, come on, go, let's go out for a coffee or something. You, you've got to develop rhinohyde when, you, when you're a parkie as well because you can feel a bit self-conscious. You can lock yourself in your, in your house or your flat or whatever and not go out. And it's, it's easy to get into that mindset where you feel self-conscious, you don't want to go to the shops, you, you, you're self-conscious when you, you're checking out, you, there's a queue and you're slow and stuff. And that, it's a mindset you've got to, got to try and snap out of. Not easy, but you've got to do it. Not, not easy. And, and embarrassment is a big thing. But embarrassment of us with the condition yeah. and for others in terms of how they engage with us as well. Mm. But I'd agree, you know, it, the onus is not only on us to reach out, but for others in our in our network to, to, to reach out to us as well. And um, in a way not treat us with kid gloves you know um you know things are, are different but um in a way we're the same same people and um I, I found that sort of I fell into that trap of sort of detaching myself and feeling a bit more insular and spending more time at home and not reaching out to friends or even when friends reach out to me not necessarily sort of uh, engaging back and that that's a slippery slope it's more important than ever to actually sort of maintain your, your circle of friends particularly and, and, and your family and sort of appreciate the support uh, that they give you. You need, you need your friends more than ever really. I'll tell you what, we've been, we've been trawling around some of our Parky friends to, to, to see if they've got any top tips about having Parkinson's. Have a listen to this. I'm Johnny Atchison. I'm an NHS doctor and I was diagnosed in 2016 when I was 41. What I tell someone who's just been told they have Parkinson's is this. Take your time. Let it sink in. Don't make any sudden life-altering decisions. Educate yourself. Learn about this disease that you've been living with for a while now that didn't have a name. Take each day as it comes. Tell people when you feel ready. Tell your work colleagues when you feel you want to. You will know when you need more medicine. Get exercising. Keep sweating. Adapt as you need. Don't be too hard on yourself or others. Surround yourself with the care team who get it. Take the good days, park the bad days, get up the next day and move on. Some great advice from Johnny. He's, he's a doctor by trade, so he know, knows what he's talking about. He, he says don't make any life-altering sudden decisions, which is a good thing, isn't it? You've got, you've got time, so just, just take things on board and, and don't rush into decisions. Yeah, um, T- take your time. I, th- I mean, all of that was great advice, but I think to, to start with, take your time is 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 absolutely the right thing to do. Be be patient. Be patient with yourself more than anything else. Educate yourself absolutely. And I, the thing about educating yourself is, you know, we spoke earlier that it can be overwhelming, but at the same time, it can be comforting actually to educate yourself because you you learn about things that you might have been feeling, um, but not necessarily connecting to the condition you know things mm. like fatigue and apathy and a lot of the hidden symptoms of parkinson's i didn't know were related to the condition each day as it comes absolutely there are good days and bad days um i mean you were having a bad day yesterday weren't you dave yeah and today you're completely different yeah it's, you know? it's, it's amazing how it can alter day to day i was yeah. really struggling to get around the tennis court i mean it sounds, sounds weird but struggling to get around the tennis court but i was struggling to walk and stuff yesterday today i feel great my voice is better you know i was very whispery yesterday I feel very, very good today. And it just shows you how 
day to day it can differ massively. Um, it's not always predictable. That's that's the annoying thing, unfortunately. You know, it's not consistently bad. That 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 that's the point. Um, to t- to take it for what it is, and um, the the point Johnny made about um, sort of knowing your own condition, and you, you'll know when you'll um, need medication. No one knows your own condition better than you. Unfortunately, it's not one of those things where you can go to a doctor and they'll tell you the magic answer and give you a magic pill and everything will be better. There is a magic pill, isn't there? There is. There are several different pills, but no one knows how well those pills are working and your how well treatment is working for you better than you can. There's no way to gauge it. So just sort of being aware of, of your condition and how things are progressing and how well um, treatment and medication is going is it's important to sort of stay on top of it without being daunted by it. I think one of the things that is a bit of a head, whatever, when when you when you diagnose this, is the fact you're going to be on medication for the rest of your life. I found that quite weird because I wasn't someone who took a pill when I had a headache or whatever. I just I just crack on. And someone give, give me some pills and saying you've got to take three of these a day or four of these a day or five of these a day. You might have 15, 16 pills you've got to take every day. And I found that quite weird. When I was first diagnosed, it gave me a, a box of levodopa, and I waited a year and a half before I went on any medication. I didn't really? take it straight away. No. Um, I just thought I wasn't ready for it. I didn't right. feel I needed it. And I carried on presenting on television without, without medication for a year and a half. Wow. I think I was diagnosed quite early on. Yeah. Um, so I was able to, to carry on. But Yeah, I was, I was slightly different in that I, I started taking the medication straight away and I could see the benefits of the medication. Yeah. It's only sort of later on when I had to start taking more and more of the medication and then start to experience some of the side effects of the medication that just rattle your box you've got your box there I, ha- I have actually and i've just noticed the time actually as you were talking about it that uh, it's it's time for my uh, next dose of medication uh but you know for me the medication helped so in that sense i i wasn't put off by it initially but yeah more latterly that i've had to take more and more pills and yeah you, you do get to a point where you, you you're resigned to sort of taking this for the rest of your life and you're a slave to the pill and uh, that's not a great feeling but um you know, without it, we wouldn't be able to function, right? Exactly. Yeah, without it, you might not be able to walk. You know, so it's it's simple. Just, just like I'll talk while you're taking your pill. There, it's it's very simple. Just swallow a couple of pills, and and, and that's that's it for the day, isn't it? Or, or how many how many in a day now? Um, I think I'm on twelve or thirteen. Right. But um, I saw my Sorry, that was me swallowing. I, I as a kid, I never used to be able to take tablets without water you always used to struggle but right. now i can just sort of do it uh, without yeah. thinking about it um yeah uh, yeah i take about 12 13 a day but i saw my neurologist earlier in the week and he's recommended not only to up the dosage but also adding something else into the into the cocktail of pills that i take so i think it'll be more like 15 a day um for four four times a day um so it's you know you've got to set alarms and you've got to have right reminders and ways of tracking taking medication and tracking the overall condition which you know um hopefully there are more tools available going forward i'm not a fan of alarms because uh, it, you just become a slave to them you, i think you do and you kind of tend just to tend to sort of ignore them or snooze them but uh medication timing is is is, is critical if, if i took my meds any later than and i've just taken them now if i took yeah. them about 10 minutes late I'll be thrown off for the day. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you find that. I, I find I find that I tend to take them when I need them within half an hour. Yeah, likewise. You know, so yeah. there's a half an hour window where I can take them. If, yeah. if, I, if I'm not quite, if I don't feel like I quite need it, I just yeah. I just wait ten minutes, fifteen minutes, yeah. and it just gives me longer. To, I'm on, on a thing called Entacapone now, which 
extend the life of the Labour Dopa, which has worked well for me. Probably get another half an hour before I go. This off time is quite a big thing. I didn't. Get, I didn't. When I first started get when I got Parkinson's, I didn't have an off time. I was all right all the time, and then and then as it's progressed. I find them on and off at different times during the day. Yeah, I think that's, that's common as the condition progresses. Um, I, I didn't experience on-off periods in the first few years. It's only m- more, more lately. And um, when, you know, you, that's another way you get to know your condition. It, you know, when you're off, you kind of, you know what's coming. You know, that's when my fatigue and apathy uh, kicks in. And then my tremor will start, my rigidity and mm. my dystonia, all of it will, will sort of come together um, and then at the same time, when I take my meds, um, it kind of, you, you can feel it having an effect. Yeah. I, I remember yesterday, um, you, you took yours a bit early, didn't you? Because yeah, I did, yeah. you needed it. And I, I remember like, we, we were, this is when we just finished playing tennis and we were, were going for a coffee after and we were, we were walking along and um, I, I don't know if you've seen that movie, The Usual Suspects. Yeah. Do you remember at the end of that movie, the uh, the character in it, Kaiser Sose, Sose yeah, yeah, yeah. he's got this... Um, limp. He's got this limp. And the limp disappears, and yeah. And the limp disappears. As he was walking, you know, within the space of a few minutes, he went from having this limp to walking normally. That's exactly how you were. <laughs> Kaiser <laughs> Sose, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's exactly how I am. I could, I could feel, often when I go for a walk w- with Helen in the morning, when we start off, I'm really slow. Mm. And by the end, she's like struggling to keep to keep up with yeah, me because yeah. my medication has kicked in at that time. I was, I was walking with a friend the other day, and he, he had a back problem that morning. His back had locked out a bit, and I, he said the lovely thing to me: "Can you slow down a bit, Dave?" Which no one's <laughs> said that to me for years, which is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're on, you're on. When you're off, you're off. I think it's time to listen to another of our Parky friends. Here we go. Charlie, up the idea. Diagnosed 7th of June, 2016. My three top tips for. Um, coping the best you can with Parkinson's following diagnosis are first of all make sure you let all your uh, circle of friends and family and colleagues know you have Parkinson's makes life a lot easier second of all keep doing fun things and making sure you you live life to the full as life life goes on even with Parkinson's it's a slow progression and third of all make sure you get involved in sport and exercise and have a look at www.sportsparkinsons.org to look at the events that we do with Sport Parkinson's to help people keep healthy and strong so the cure comes along. Keep exercising, keep happy and share your experiences with friends. Sport Parkinson's is great because they set up sporting events for people with Parkinson's, walking football, thinking up, they do golf, they do all sorts of things and, and get people involved. Um, he was saying, let your circle of friends know as soon as you can. I, I, it, worked, that, that, it just shows you how different people react to Parkinson's in different ways because I couldn't do that. I was, I was, I was mourning, I, I was... I was in a bad state. I couldn't. I couldn't face telling people I had Parkinson's because my family had already gone through it with my dad, and I didn't want to tell my mum or anybody at the time. So I waited a couple of years. I told them after a few weeks, my, my close family. But it took me two and a half years to go public. Charlie said, "Go public straight away." He was in a different position, a different mindset, and it just shows you how different advice works for different people. Yeah, um, I mean, in my case, I, in the first five, six years. I could count on one hand the amount of people I told. I mean, I deliberately didn't tell anybody. Um, and I'm not saying that's the right approach. It, it is different for everybody. But it kind of worked for me in that I wanted to just go on with life. And I, I didn't really want to sort of broadcast it. And I didn't tell most of my family, my, my colleagues, nobody at work knew. Some friends knew and I was selective over who I, who I told. And, you know, they were very supportive. I was, I was lucky like that. But, you know, it's a big thing telling people. And I think, you know, people have got to do it in their own time. And you'll kind of know when, when is right. Um, 
and I, I, I do find people are either in, in one or two buckets. Either they tell people straight away, mm. um, and and it works for them, or they put it off for some time, and um, you know don't tell people and, and sort of go on with life. I would say the latter is okay so long as you're sort of not in denial and you're not sort of just ignoring it. Mm. Um, in my case, you know, I I didn't ignore it because you know I couldn't ignore it. You know, I was taking pills four times a day um, and I could feel the symptoms. But at the same time, I felt sort of by telling people it was kind of like it was another dose of reality. And um, every time I told somebody, it was it was it was a bit of a relief, but it was also a bit depressing at the same time. Because it was further acknowledgement that you know I had this condition, and uh, you know m- maybe that was maybe that was a bit of denial. Uh, but doing things in your own time, uh, I think is is great advice, and it and it is different for everybody. But um, don't be afraid of it, um, and don't be afraid of other people's reactions. Because you know that that's that's another thing. I, I, I was very conscious and embarrassed really as to how other people would react, and that was part of the reason I didn't tell people. But you know, the more and more people I tell now, it, the the more used to it you get. Yeah, yeah. It was just quite weird because I've got a friend called Martin Turner, who's the head of Formula One at Sky, and he got diagnosed with Parkinson's as well. And it just for a few weeks, he had a party around his house, made a speech, told everybody, all his colleagues, all his friends, he had Parkinson's. It's it's quite an amazing way of doing it, but not not for me. You know, it wasn't. It worked perfectly for him, and everyone was supportive and brilliant. And he carried on working for. Six years, he's still very busy now working in television, doing bits and pieces. But it, it, that was the way he handled it. And, you know, it worked for him, but it wouldn't work for me that way. <laughs> that's the last thing I want to do, but that's just my personality. You know, I don't like being the centre of attention in that, in that way. So, you know, it worked for him, great. Um, and, and maybe there are other approaches, you know, there's something in between. Just just because one approach works for one person doesn't mean it will work for you. Yeah, the way I, I did it, I, I, told, I, I told one of my bosses at work and, it's amazing because they couldn't keep a secret. They did tell other people, which, you know, you, you've got to realise that if you tell somebody at work, they're li- liable to tell somebody else. You can tell your wife, you, you, your brother, whatever, but the secret gets out eventually. You know, pe- pe- people can't keep a secret, that, that's for sure. And, um, you know, I, the way I did it, I, I went, because I was a, broad, a broadcaster and journalist and working at Sky Sports at the time, I, um, I ended up writing an article in the Daily Mail, which was just went public about it and, and told the whole story and, it was amazing. I got over six thousand messages of support, and it was in, I'm getting quite emotional now just talking about it because it was it was a real outpouring of emotion. People saying such nice things, and it, I was I was delighted I did it. But the timing had to be right. It was after two and a half years. I didn't want to do it straight away, and two and a half years was perfect. It gave, gave me time to get my head around it. You know, Michael J. Fox kept it secret for seven years. Yeah, yeah, I've I've, I've read his books actually, and, he, and, he, and I, it, some of the themes resonate with me. Um, it's a good place to start, actually, if you've been diagnosed. Read Michael J. Fox's yeah. books, very good, three three books. R- really good. I mean, obviously, he's, he's a great ambassador for for the condition and the stuff he's done, but actually, just really insightful in, in terms of the experiences he's had, the journey he's gone through. I mean, the whole coming out thing is 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 a big thing, and it is an emotional time. Mm. Um, I remember t- telling my folks, you know, that was, that was the biggest step for me. That was probably harder than sort of hearing the news myself, you know, having to break the news to them yeah. because you know they they they, they feel helpless you know they, they as parents they naturally want to support and sort of take care of you but in the asian community as well people don't want to show, show weakness do they that's that's very true it, it's a very much a, 
a, a, um, an Asian trait and probably a bit of a Yorkshire trait as well. Yeah, I would yeah. imagine there's some commonality there. It, it, there is this tendency to sort of to, to keep things to yourself or keep it within the family, um, either because you know you just, just want to keep things private or a sense of just getting on with life or or just going back to that whole embarrassment thing. You know, people don't want to sort of talk about these things and. Um, there are different extremes of it. I, I, I know people that um, where, where they're, they're they're kind of not not um, sort of been disconnected from their family, but certainly their family hasn't been as supportive as maybe you and I have enjoyed in our in mm. our experiences. And you know that that that's a shame, and it's a, it's a pressure. All of that is a pressure, and as is keeping things secret, as, as you mentioned. Mm. You know, hiding it takes effort. So in a way, actually, sort of just letting it all out is is a relief, and and uh, it 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 kind of removes a certain burden. It was a massive weight off my shoulders when when I went public about it because people had noticed various things. Get my eye was closing a bit, and uh, I was a bit almost like I had a stroke at times, and my right hand wasn't working very well. So a coping mechanism. I'd be sitting on my hand. We talk about that as well. Yeah, coping I, mechanism for Parkinson's because if you don't tell people. You, you, it's, it's a hell of a stress hiding it away. So there was one time when I was doing a world title fight and um, I was trying, trying the, the on-air clock was counting down and people were going, Clarky, where are you, where are you? I was hiding a cupboard trying to get my cufflinks on and, and my tie on and it was ridiculous. Uh, half an hour to go before I was on air. and The stress of that was just ridiculous. It completely wiped me out. I managed to nail the top of the show, did it all, managed to do the cufflinks and the tie at the end, but just the stress is, oh, you've got to allow yourself plenty of time to do things because the stress of it makes your symptoms worse and just, just horrendous. Well, that's the ironic thing, that the stress of concealing your symptoms actually exacerbate your symptoms. Your case was different to mine in that you were literally in the, in the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, but even I, I found it, you know, in, in, a, in a meeting room full of 10 people, you know, difficult and to hide or I was conscious of it. You know, I used to do things like make sure everybody was sitting to the right of me because m- my symptoms are predominantly left-sided. So I could sort of attempt to conceal them that way or, you know, or, or the little tricks that you mentioned, like sitting on your hand when you have a tremor. Although what what tends to happen there is it kind of tends to sort of, tremor comes out somewhere else in your body. <laughs> your foot starts going. Yeah, through, so yeah. There's only so much you can conceal. And pe- people are a bit oblivious to things, but um, you're always conscious as to, you know, can can they see, can they notice, you yeah. know, and that, that takes a toll, that takes effort, that uh, um, it takes a physical effort, but it also takes an emotional effort. Um, so, yeah, in a sense, when I did come out, as it were, I think I still consider myself in that coming out phase. It's it's a relief. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, you know, it takes less energy. I felt the right time uh, in my own way. That's another thing. Mm. Didn't, didn't feel I had to be pressured to, to do it. That's another good, good piece of advice. You know, do things in your own time, in yeah. your own way. And I say your own way. You know, for some people, it's um, they tell people person to person. Other people, you know, they, they rely on, on their partner to tell their, their, their wider mm. family, for example. I think that was, that was, that was your case, was it? Uh, I couldn't tell my mum because my dad had not gone well for my dad back in the day. And uh, I thought, my mum can't go through this again. I, c- I can't tell my mum, it's too emotional. So uh, my bro- I got my brother to tell my mum, which was, was, was a big deal, you know. He rang me up and said, I've told her she's, she's all right, we'll get through this, you know, stoic Yorkshire woman, but yeah, you know, she's upset. But it, Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't imagine that. Um, it's, well, I, can, I can't imagine it, and I can imagine it. Uh, what I mean is I don't blame you for going down that approach and... Uh, Again, that's what family are for. You know, your your brother stepped in, and uh, 
did did his brotherly duty. Uh, and for others, you know, they have different ways of coming out. Some some people write a letter or an email or a text message mm. or you know, uh, or, or uh, the, the example you gave of of your colleague who, who threw a party. You know, yeah. uh, different approaches work for different people. It's just showing, hasn't it? You know, Martin, my friend, six weeks, he was telling everybody having a party. I took two and a half years. You, you took the best part of nine years to tell anybody. Yeah, so. yeah. There is no, there is no rule book for this. You know, there's, there's no, there's no right and wrong way to do it. Um, just, just, just be aware and conscious of it is, is what I would suggest. Okay, let's hear from another of our Parky friends. Hi, my name is Claire Addison. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease back in 2016 at the age of 51. I work as a senior nurse in adult safeguarding. My advice to anybody who's been recently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease is not to panic, first of all. Take time to absorb the information, access some resources that are available on the Parkinson's UK website and ensure that you are being cared for by a dynamic team that includes the support of a Parkinson's disease specialist nurse. Aside from that, it's really important that you keep active, that you have plenty of things in your diary to look forward to, and you continue life as normally as possible. There'll be some days where things are more difficult, and there'll be some days that are great, and you should celebrate those and make the most of them. I would also wholeheartedly recommend registering on a first steps program run by Parkinson's UK as this is uh, an amazing program that gives people the tools and information needed to get the best out of life. Parkinson's UK website's very good isn't it there's lots of good good information on there and it's, it's a good place to start if you've been diagnosed. Yeah I think as is as with the case of, of many things the internet is, is being good and bad and there are good sources of information and there are less less credible sources shall we say but Parkinson's UK has got some great sort of um, bits of information and tips and sort of easy to digest in in practical language I find yeah I'd recommend anybody sort of using their website and also their their helpline and their their wider services as well Um, there's a lot of out there's a lot out there and um, but there's just sort of be careful what you digest and just remember not everything applies to you you know what applies to one particular person might might not apply to to others so it's it's daunting but you know the way that parkinson's uk um set out their content i think is is is, is balanced and a good source you've got to also take your time you know before you go to groups and things like that because when when you go to parkinson's groups you often see people further down the line than you and that can be quite quite disturbing at times when, when you when you're newly diagnosed and you're seeing people in, in not such a good state who've had it many years or maybe you haven't had it many years, you know, developed quicker. quicker. It, it takes a while to get used to that, doesn't it? It, it does, yeah. I had an experience where early on I went to a local support group and it was just that. I was, it, I brought the average age down by about 30 years, I think, by just by attending <laughs> it because everybody else was a lot older and yeah. more advanced in their condition. And just like you said, it actually had the reverse effect on me. It put me off and, and um, it wasn't the only reason, but it was part of the reason why I didn't sort of engage with others with the condition for for several years after that it wasn't the right time for me mm. uh, but I didn't want to see it you know not not at that time it was it's it wasn't what I needed and you know also sometimes you encounter people that aren't so 
I wouldn't even say optimistic, but almost realistic with their condition, in that, that they're quite pessimistic, mm. you know. And I think that's that's dangerous. There's a lot of negativity out there. Um, and I still try to remember that, um, you know, you can live a good good quality of life with, with this condition. Surrounding yourself with... with Young enthusiastic people is it's quite a good thing, you know. You're you're very dynamic and you do lots of things and you when we play tennis, you do lots of internet stuff and all that. You're developing an app at the moment, loads loads of things, keeping busy. But you do have down days as well, you know. There are days when I might text you, it might take a few hours to get back to me because you you're having a crap day and we all have crap days. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, planning stuff becomes an issue and it's it, it's you know there are good days and bad days and when when you have a bad day, it's kind of like you kind of recognise it for what it is, you know, you kind of just accept it and uh, sort of you get past it because you know it's not going to last forever. But it does kind of, it's not all rosy, but it's not all doom and gloom. It's, you know, somewhere in between and uh, it's, uh, I'm sure there's a sporting analogy that I could use here, but, uh, you know, good good days and bad days. Yeah, exactly. I've got a few few tips, I wrote a little piece, How to Live a Happy Life with Parkinson's. There's a few things I'll share with you here. Live in the now, try not to look too far into the future, which I think we've covered out. But always have something in the diary that excites you. Yes. Music makes you happy. Don't live in a silent house where you can brood. Well, music is, is it, it naturally helps produce dopamine, which is the thing that people with Parkinson's yeah. like. So absolutely, music. Dance even if you haven't danced in years. My dancing's not what it was. I used to be quite a mover. They used to call me noodle hips because <laughs> I was quite a good dancer. But my dancing days are, are pretty much over, but I can still move a bit, which yeah. is quite good. Exercise and dancing particularly is is very beneficial to Parkinson's. Stay sociable. If your friends don't ring you, ring them and arrange to see them on a regular basis. Get up, dress up, show up, never give up. Absolutely. So much of this is about sort of state of mind because, you know, if, if you're in a good place um, and doing fun things actually that that helps the the overall condition because so much as this the mind and the body is related and the flip side of that is true unfortunately if if you're if you're stressed out if you're if you're agitated whatever it is that's that's when i find anyway my my symptoms are that that much worse so i try try to focus on sort of doing fun things and keeping busy and and uh you know if i do those things then not that everything else takes care of itself, but, you know, th- those tend to be my better days. Don't mourn what you can't do. Celebrate what you can. Yeah, there's a lot of can't language around Parkinson's. Um, and it's, I, I get it, you know, because you often think back to the things you, you could once do, but you can no longer do. But at the same time, there are things you can still do or, or new things that you can, you, can, you can do and explore in your life and there's a lot of things now that I'm doing that I wouldn't have even thought of doing if I hadn't had this time to reflect and didn't have this condition and didn't have this sort of reset opportunity that the condition has given me say yes to invitations even if you're feeling rubbish which uh, you, you almost did that the other day you, you turned to tennis because you, you said I really didn't want to be here today but I'm so glad I came yeah I, I mean for me doing sport is is a no-brainer even though I might feel uh not great at the time particularly with with, with fatigue the, the the natural thing is if you're feeling fatigued and fatigue is different to tiredness yeah. but when you're feeling fatigued you, you know what you just want to sort of lie down or sit on the sofa in front of the telly actually what your body needs and what your mind needs at that time is to be active and sort of doing doing fun active things like like sort of playing tennis which you and i enjoy um actually then becomes almost like a a treatment you know it's it's not it's more than just an activity it's more than just fun it's actually i consider my exercise to be a, a form of treatment for me 
Hydrate. Water makes up 73% of the human dr- brain, helps promote the growth of hormones and neurotransmitters. I'm really bad at this, actually. Yeah, I am as well. It, 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 I, can, I can tell that sort of when I'm, when I'm well hydrated, um, and this is not specific to Parkinson's, but I do feel that it's particularly relevant for, to Parkinson's, um, hydration and, and keeping well hydrated and uh, throughout the day is, is key for both the, the, the mind and the body. Something else, you know, build a support team around you, people you can trust, friends, neighbours, fitness instructor, your neuro doctor, your chemist, team you. It's a complex condition. Um, it's, it's, I always think of it as kind of like it has multiple aspects to it. So you need a support team reflects that. So not just relying on your neurologist or your specialist, but, you know, I, I'm fortunate I have access to a physiotherapist, an occupational therapist and a... Uh, a Parkinson's nurse, which I think is a, is a great. You've resource. got a full full set there. I haven't got any of those. <laughs> I, I know, and I, I keep sort of banging on at you about getting a getting a nurse, and, and there's still one in five people with the condition that don't have a nurse. But yeah. for me, the the nurse is she's so knowledgeable about the condition, but also just about the practical aspects, the day to day stuff that maybe the neurologist doesn't have the inkling to sort of consider. Perfect. I think we're just about out of time now. We've been going on for 40 minutes or something ridiculous. Wow, has it been that long? What I'd like to say to people is, you've been diagnosed, life still goes on, people with Parkinson's can do amazing things, you can do something amazing with Parkinson's still, don't, don't mourn what you can't do, celebrate what you can, so it's, 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 it's a whole new world you're, you're entering into, there's a great online community as well, isn't there, Kieran? Yeah, I mean, it does feel like a kind of, you're a member of this exclusive club. Well, that you don't want to be a member of, really. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to be a member of, but I've met some amazing people, Dave, yeah. uh, and uh, and others uh, that I wouldn't have been uh, fortunate enough to meet if I hadn't, hadn't had this condition. And, you know, if you find the right people, um, it can be very comforting to talk to people that just get it, you know, because when I talk to other people, friends and family who don't have the condition, as much as they sympathise, they can't really understand it. But... When we go for a beer or a coffee and I just explain, you know, my day or how I'm feeling at the time, you know, you, you just get it, you know, because you've been there. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's, that's invaluable. That's been fun. Two Parkers in a pod. If you'd like to hear more, messages, uh, raters as well. Great. See you again soon, Kieran. Yeah, cheers. See you next time.